for the Dad Bod Rap Pop with your hosts, Timon Carter, David Ma, and Nate LeBlanc. Three underground rap nerds walked into a bar. An argument ensued about who the goats are. The seed was a thought that would turn into a pod. Now fans worldwide say, not a bad job, the ad hoc cab squad Who chronicles the vanguard of hip-hop at large Rap taste slacked off, don't need to be mad, dog. Look no further, it's the dad bod Rap pop, Podcasting live from San Jose, California It's the dad bod rap pod My name is Damone Carter, a.k.a. Dib One I am joined by the man in plaid Dave Ma, what's happening, man? Yo, what's up, guys? Good to see you again. Um, it's Monday, and dude, it's been a long week. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> I know exactly what you mean, my friend. Um, and Nate, uh, I'm thinking this is a, a Heather. I think we've been over this before. It's, it's kind of like a yellow, like, Heather, yes. Okay. I'm sure you've okay. seen the film Heathers. That's what's yeah. happening with my shirt situation. Like, likes me a yellow Heather. How's it going, Nate? I'm good. Uh, there's this Courtney Barnett song where she says in her like awesome Australian accent, she's like, it was a Monday. It was mundane. It's like, that, is, <laughs> that is today for me, dude. It's oh just like, uh, we have to do this again. Not the uh, podcast. Yeah, like. yeah. The regular, the regular <laughs> part. Are you sure that was a camera on? <laughs> It was a mundane. It was mundane. <laughs> Same diff. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm I'm here with you, uh, fighting the case of the Mondays, but we gonna keep it popping for y'all right here on the Dead Bod Rap Pod. We're so glad that y'all could join us. And uh, this show is real easy to do when we have hot release days. When we have a couple hot release days coming in, I, I feel like the show is a lot easier to do. Uh, today is one of those shows. There's a new record that just dropped um i was about to say highly anticipated but like not really in not a way really i was thinking of, i was thinking about that because well i i guess we should say what record it is huh? we're talking about cheat codes black thought and danger mouse uh and, and i was kind of thinking when i was walking and listening to it like the official listen to prep for the podcast where i was thinking about it more i was like the singles didn't really move me but hearing the body of work i'm like oh this is fantastic like it yeah. really is an yeah. album-y album. Uh, which we like an album-y album here. Uh, Dave, you, you've actually talked to Black Thought, and for those who haven't done so already, please read Dave's uh, Black Thought interview in the Paris Review. Petty. Uh, <laughs> Dave, what, what were your, your initial thoughts uh, upon hearing this project? And did he talk about that when you had talked to him? He didn't. He um, he sort of teased that there was going to be another Black Thought um, uh, Streams of Consciousness um, album, which I think he also um, spoke about a little bit. And we talked about that a little bit with Static Selector. So I think this is a side project. This is obviously more of a producer MC album. Um, but, you know, um, unlike Nate, I, I like the singles when I first heard them, but uh, hearing them in context, context was just way better. Um, that song, Because, Samples one of my favorite soul songs of all time. Um, I won't sample snitch, but it's by Doris and Kelly. It's pretty, it's pretty um, clear when you hear it. And right away I knew it was gonna be something special. And then hearing the rest of the tracks, he like name checks Akira Kurosawa. So, you know, I'm on board. And um, yeah. I feel like this is the Black Dot album we've been waiting for. And um, at 38 minutes, I really, I literally like every song, dude. And I like the guest spots too. Raekwon is fucking great. Oh. Um, Doom is is always a a welcomed fucking presence, and it's funny. I've heard a lot of people say like, "Oh yeah, like the song with Doom is so nice. Like they should have uh, collaborated before, but they actually did on a track called Mad Nice, which is also off of a Danger Mouse record. Oh, that's um, right. That's it right. was a it was I believe like a bonus track when they released like the full like deluxe uh, de deluxe edition. But the song is called Mad Nice, um, Doom and Black Thought. It's also one of my favorite cuts and. Um, to to Nate's earlier point, this is like really a full album. It's a full listen. I love the sequencing of the album. Um, I love how it ends with uh, violas and lupitas. It has the swelling melodic sample. Kind of reminds me of like an automator's cut or something. And um, my other thought concerning this was I've heard a lot of people kind of talk about how the album was mixed. That like his vocals are too low, or yeah. that the beats were too high. And actually, I think it lands perfectly. But it sort of lends credence to the to the um, um, possibility that maybe 
producer MC albums, maybe they should release different mixes. You know what I mean? Oh, oh, interesting. Yeah. Alternate mix with the uh, Black Thoughts vocals more present. Before we get to Black Thought, they got to do that for Quelly Chris, but we'll come back to that. <laughs> uh, Nate, what makes this an album me album, in your opinion? I think the the sample palette and the kind of like psyche dusty take is pretty consistent um, throughout the whole thing. It's like it's clearly a body of work that was worked on for a long time. And um, it's the way it's sequenced and laid out just feels very thoughtful. Like it's not kind of thrown together. Like we talked quite a bit about the first Black Thought EP um that he did with ninth wonder a little less about the second one and then i don't know that we ever even mentioned the third one and i we, feel is like the second one salam remy or is that the yes. third one yeah okay. salam remy. I, and i and can't even tell you who the third one is john c yeah. oh okay so yeah. it's it's just it was just kind of diminishing returns on those in terms of like hype and i don't know about quality like if i went back and like mixed up the tracks now i don't know if i could do a pepsi challenge and be like oh this is the one I like and this one I don't. It's a black thought rapping is great to hear. Don't get me wrong. But um, I think having some consistency throughout and uh, I forget what publication I read, maybe The Ringer pitched it as kind of Danger Mouse's return to hip hop after years producing other kinds of acts. Like mm -hmm. um, in something my wife listens to in the car, those uh, albums he did with Daniel Lupi and Karen O will come up. They're like Italian soundtrack kind of deals. Hmm. And I'm like, okay, but, <laughs> you know, this guy yeah. had a chance to be one of the great hip hop producers. He was hot. Um, that Danger Mouse and Gemini, Danger Doom, obviously. Um, so I think it, it's just, it's a, it's a good record. It's very well laid out. And just on the mixing thing, I don't know anything about mixing or mastering, but I've also seen a theory that they secretly like re-uploaded different files. Like maybe an mm. unmastered version was, kind of put out initially and then they went back in and fixed it which is a big thing with records uh, now because of the streaming thing so i don't know it sounded fine to me both times i heard it if you i could you could fully convince me it was changed or not changed i have no idea yeah i, I was kind of tracking that conversation too um to me clearly felt like an artistic choice and not like uh, they fucked up the mix um but then there were folks who were like well when you uh put black thought vocals towards don't foreground them you're fucking it up <laughs> and, 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 on some, and on some level i agree but also i feel like um let's be honest we've been waiting for a definitive black thought project if, if somebody who somehow had never heard of him came to me and was like what's the project i would start with i would tell him cheat codes i think this is the most complete uh solo work that he's done and i think in part and this is probably credit to danger doom or uh danger mouse is um it, it's it's not musical i mean it is musical obviously because it has samples but i think the mistake that a lot of producers make is trying to recreate recreate some part of the root sound saying that we've heard black thought over live instrumentation so much that must be where he sounds best and it's actually not and it's that's it's so weird to say and i mean live i've seen the roots live multiple times it definitely works I felt that there was always something wanting in the recorded uh, material, especially as the roots got later and later. I think what Danger Mouse does is um, give Black Thought what all these other rappers who are not nearly of his caliber have is a modern uh, is a modern palette, and it's not trying to be R and B. It's not trying to be neo soul. Mm -hmm. This is rap for people who like rap, um, and I think it, it all came together uh, very beautifully. I think the song Belize is one of um, mm. one of my favorite uh, posthumous doom things, which they, those don't always land. Right. Sometimes I'm like, ah, y'all shoehorn that. But um, it, it definitely came together, as, as they mentioned, the Raekwon feature is dope. And so um, I, I hope they do more stuff. I think uh, Danger Mouse has a, a finger on what makes Black Thought sound good, which other talented producers have not been able to do. I think Salam Remy is a very talented producer. Mm -hmm. um, we can have arguments about Ninth Wonder, but he's made some good <laughs> rap songs. Um, and neither of those necessarily stuck with me the way that this one does, for sure. I have a question for you guys. Um, are these songs about anything? Words. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They're I mean, about words. Yeah, they're Black Thought verses. I mean, they're full of references and like crazy cadences and, you know, 
the way he like fluctuates his voice and stuff. Um, there's actually a couple of lines that kind of bother me, and I would never say that about about Black Thought. Like that line kind of did not make sense, you know. But um, I don't know. I don't know. It's something that you know. If I had a chance to talk to him again, I would be like, "Is there a concept, or are you just like rhyming?" Yeah, it, that's. It's not a criticism. It's just something I was thinking about. Like the and it it on. Uh... Violas and Lupitas, I think you said, Dave, earlier, the closing track, it's about being dark skin. Like that part of that verse yeah. is about, mm -hmm. it's not Viola's mm -hmm. the instrument, it's Viola Davis, the actress, right? Mm -hmm. Who has like right. such beautiful skin as does Lupita Nyong'o. And like, um, it's, it's like, oh, it's kind of nice when it's about something and it's not right. all right. just grabbing things that sound cool together. And it's like modern black thought writing is very word focused as you guys very like cogently pointed out but at album length i'm kind of looking for a give little me bit something more. yeah mm -hmm. give me a little narrative a little yeah. a little narrative would go a long way a little theme would go a long way mm -hmm. like it's just like i'm really digging how this sounds it's not a criticism it's just an observation i'm kind of mm -hmm. like man like what does black thought think about x y or z you know what i mean it's just right. like it's be interesting to hear more of like his thoughts rather than just his insane wordplay. And I know I've talked about other records where I'm like, I want more insane wordplay unless about these, to say, you know, yeah. it's just like, right, I'm not right, trying to right. paint him into a corner. He can put out whatever records he wants. I think this is a very good record, like will be on some point of the list when we're making lists later. Totally. But at after 11 or so tracks, I was kind of like, I wouldn't mind one being about something a little bit more. Gotcha. Like, give, me, give me a, give me a verse. That's like, this verse is about this thing that happened in my childhood. You know who I used to say that about was uh, was Doom. Yeah. I always felt like right, when you right. did hear him rap about something, you're like, oh, you can rap about stuff. Right. Just go, yeah. go in and do it. Yeah. I don't know if uh, for Black Thought, um, and of course we're not him, but I don't know if for him, he's, he's kind of like, I think he does do that, but just from bar to bar. Like yeah, there will be individual bars that tell a story, have a point of view, but then he'll just go in a whole another direction. It's, it's like, like another yeah. word begins to fascinate him and he heads yeah, toward he's that gone. <laughs> yeah, for Which sure. I'm but cool I, with because it is I, fascinating. Like he, he's just rapping at such a high level. He's destroying things on this record. Like the highest level. I like how just every once in a while he reemerges and reminds everybody that he's the best, you know. Um, but, you know, uh, to your point earlier, Nate, I think a lot of his sort of personal stuff was already done on the streets of consciousness. So. I, I enjoyed sort of hearing him just go, go off on a lot of these. And, um, you know, it clocks in at 38 minutes and with, you know, with the uh, thoughtful production that's very textured, um, I was totally fine with it. I would get, I would cop an instrumental version of this for sure. Oh yeah, definitely. Or, and an acapella version. <laughs> uh, yeah, hey, look for uh, the Fly Sporadic Remix album. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so shout out to uh, to Black Thought, of course, uh, one of the the living rap gods, um, and somebody that um, really understands word wordplay, as does our guest uh, that we have for for y'all today. We were fortunate enough to talk to CMG from Conscious Daughters. Um, for those who may not be familiar, Conscious Daughters was a, a Bay Area based rap group, uh, a duo. Uh, <clears throat> special one passed away a while back, but uh, CMG was cool enough to stop by and talk to us about the history of Conscious Daughters, their affiliation with Paris, um, female rappers of today, which was really interesting. And then, um, you know, she's she's one of these folks that I think is uh, the first one to use the, the term mom bod. Uh, <laughs> I was listening back to the interview the other day. I'm like, is this the first guest that literally referenced Mamba? She was so cool, man. I loved so her cool. vibe. I loved her energy. I don't know if you're gonna keep it in the edit, but when she changes her glasses, it was like so <laughs> just yeah. so dope. She like wanted to kind of hip hop it up a little bit. She had her reading glasses on and she went and threw on like the Kazals. It was so tight. <laughs> she went from like a banker to like an MC Hammer backup dancer in like two seconds. It was no, it was really it was a really great interview. Um, and she really, you know, broke down some things. So let's get into it and we'll catch you guys on the other side of our interview with CMG of Conscious Daughters, Dad Bod, Rap Pod. Ten thirty. 
when we do it in the summer in Dad Bod Rap Pod, every week we talk to people who are moving and shaping hip-hop culture. This week is no different. Joining us in Zoom, we have CMG of Conscious Daughters. What's happening? Woo! Hey, guys. What's up, Dad Bods? Do I get to see some of it today? <laughs> this is all you get. We're a t-shirt up uh, <laughs> collective here. Uh, but yeah, we, we well, have- That's we, an amazing we, name, okay? Uh, we we, no, just we try. It's a state of mind, really. Because like D- Dave is a schmedium. Um, I'm the only dad. It's it's a it's a whole thing. But uh, speaking of names, I wanted to ask, um, how did y'all come up with the name Conscious Daughters? Like, where where does that come from? Yes, yeah, interesting. Um, you know, we started in music together as best friends very early on, like junior high school. And so initially, our name was called Chaos because we just came up. We want to be Chaos. You know, we're like. And then people were like, oh, chaos. We didn't care. We got chaos shirts and everything. So fast forward to when we actually started making demo tapes, um, we started going to this studio in San Francisco. My best friend, she was like, her boyfriend was like a producer. So he was like, come to my studio, come to my studio. We were like, yeah, we go to any studio, right? But we just happened to meet this awesome Rasta dude. It was, he was like a, I don't know, I don't want to call him God, but he was just like, he was looking at me and said, I call you conscious daughters, conscious daughters. Because they said, um, people would always say we knew what everything was happening. Be like, where are conscious daughters going? Because Carol Special, one my my um, my partner in crime, rest in peace, she, um, she always knew what was happening, where the parties was. She had whatever it was, she had it first. I mean, literally the whole Wu-Tang Clan was looking for her when the weed came out when this, for the weed, for the skunk weed in California. <laughs> like they would look as soon as they see me, they're like, we're here, like everybody from New York. But anyway, long story short, we got it from a guy in San Francisco at the studio who really just gave us that name. And it just we looked at each other and it stuck to us. However, we were not really politically or, or conscious. We were very socially conscious. So a lot of people. And then we okay. ended up in Paris. And we'll I'll talk to you about that one. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So yes, we will definitely get to the to the Paris part. But I, okay. So the name was given to y'all, but it wasn't necessarily in the connotation of like before woke. There was conscious, right? And like you were one of the first groups that like actually have that in your name. But you're saying that it wasn't that wasn't the bent of the group. That was more of right. a of it a wasn't type. the basis. It wasn't the intent. Uh, but we're still a thousand percent conscious daughters because everything that we've ever done has been authentic. You know, we've just been always been very aware of our surroundings. We always knew what things were happening first. And, you know, it it was just ironic how it came together and we were able to be a street conscious group, you know? So that's great. That that kept us being ourselves, you know, pretty much. That's when authenticity was in the, was, was, was alive, not put together. (laughs) <laughs> you know, um, you, you mentioned your demo earlier, and there's there's so much history to sort of um, um, to go over. But I want to talk about the story. And, and I wonder how much of it is lore and how much of it is real. But obviously, you guys ended up hooking up with Paris. And the story that I read was that you guys slid him a demo tape at a club. Can, did that happen? And can you or can you just sort of tell us, you know, how everything transpired? Yeah, so we're talking without telling my age, but I, there's no way I get around this, okay? So we're talking that the, in high school in the 80s, we um, we worked at a radio station and um, we we started using all that equipment. I mean, not worked at, we had a radio class, correct? Mm-hmm. We started learning how to use the equipment. So while we were there, we made all these demo tapes. Like during school hours, we left with backpacks full of tapes and we used to write our name and phone number on them. So we went to a digital underground album release party in San Francisco and we were, we were out of high school, but let's say we were, and I don't know, 20, 20, 21-ish. And um, well, I guess we had to be 21, not in all cases, but yeah, and Paris was there. We, we knew all the rappers. Like if there was a rapper out here, we were like, oh, there's so-and-so, there's such and such. And you know, Carol with her free spirit, she just approaches people and was just so naturally loved by everybody, just a person you meet. It's like a Kevin Hart or something. Just somebody they just be like, damn, I like you instantly. You know, and she was a, such an authentic person. And she just walked up to him. It was like, bam. Boy, you ain't never going to know what you got when you get this. And, you know, he was like, oh, okay. And then he saw <laughs> Conscious Daughters. 
And he wanted to know more about that because we had hats. And back when you can go get your name pressed on the back of your jacket in the mall, mm -hmm. we got those jackets and hats and we went up there and he immediately just, actually he came over to us, he approached us. And um, when he came over, he said, Conscious Daughters. You know, now I know Paris. Like he really wanted like, well, let me see how conscious you are. You know, he was on a whole nother conscious life. We, you know, um, and so we gave him a demo tape, long story short. And at the time he was signed to Tommy Boy and he, um, uh, Tom Silverman uh, and him weren't really getting along. I don't know, they had an issue, but he was planning on leaving and starting his own label. So not even a week, not even two weeks later, he called us said, hey, I'm starting my own label. You know, I'm wondering if you guys want to hook up and see if, you know, I'm, I like your demo tape. I love the lyrics. I think the beats are whack. I would love to just remake all the, all the beats. And so he went and paid off all the producers and bought all the songs that we did with these producers. And um, we, it was the greatest thing. Next thing you know, we're at his house when he had his, we were like, wow, he had this beautiful home in Danville. You know, when you're 21, you're like, this house is nice. We want a house like this, you know? And, um, but yeah, we just had the chemistry. So as we got to know each other, he, it was really his mastermind that looked at us and said, wow, that's how I can get my message out. When I say that, I mean, every album that we put out, he wrote a song on there that tapped into some kind of consciousness. Our first one was Teenage Pregnancy, a song called Shitty Situation. Second album, he put a song on there called AIDS, all written by him, um, called All Caught Up About AIDS. And then the third album, Domestic Violence. Um, we had a track on there about domestic violence. So he really saw a way to get the message out um, through us. And it was it was just amazing. And even some of the other songs that he co-wrote with us, it just was just a, a marriage, you know, of, of greatness. Because we really had that delivery and people really... Uh, you know, uh, took to us and accepted us. We went to New York, no problem. Like we, we walked through New York right when the Source Awards was fighting. Nobody would say nothing. We sitting up there with Evil D and duck down on them. You know oh, what I mean? Wow. Like they never, we always, we were really close with at New York MCs. They are like probably the most inspirational. You would, I mean, you know, we have a lot of role models out here that, you know, we looked up to, but it was a very big New York influence that gave us all that stage presence that we have. And when people saw us perform, they were like, wow. Carol climbing on the speakers and, you know, they didn't that, you know, and it was just, it was a great experience. So uh, I feel like I have to ask, was uh, something to ride to on the demo or was that something you guys worked up oh, together no. afterwards? Yeah, no, that was afterwards. Okay. Was kind of, actually, from that demo, I probably think three songs, Wife of a Gangsta, um, and two other songs. I don't know which ones, but there's only three songs that came out of there and they were changed around. We kind of updated them. So at the end of the day, we didn't really use that much of the tape that he bought, but he just wanted to have, you know, he didn't want any problems. So it was a smart way to do it. You know? Yeah, right on. Um, we're yeah. from San Jose or the San Jose area. Technically, Dave is from Santa Clara. So we're Bay Area kids. We grew up listening to your music. Um, I And I think of... Uh, funky expedition as like such a cmc song i'm sure you remember the video show with chewy gomez and That's my brother yeah it's just one of the <laughs> one of the classic defining songs of bay area music of that time so can you just tell us the story if you don't mind like do you consider that to be your best song or maybe just your most popular or just and, yeah, and, and if you know. can help me understand sorry for talking so long did it go much bigger than the Bay Area. Like, was that a national hit? It's hard for me to tell from where I was sitting at that time. Yeah, it did. Um, I mean, we were shocked that we sold back then, you know, you're selling materials as in CDs and cassettes. So we were shocked that we sold 350,000 in the first like six months, seven months when the song came out. Then the single just started taking off. But what really did it was Priority Records and the pub the publicist, um, you know, um, Roberta McGreeny and us going on tour with Ice Cube. We went all across. So one, once we signed to Priority Records, we immediately became family with them. So we were on tour with Ice Cube, Ice T. You know, when, when we started, we were with Outkast, Tribe Called Quest, um, you name it. We were out on doing those big summer jams all across the country. That's why we don't have a lot of songs like 
I'm really mad that we weren't here for I got five on it. Because we got a call uh, to do it, but we were way in somewhere else. And uh, I just and that we were supposed to be on that song. It needs oh, to be up. Wow. But we were <laughs> gone. That's one thing Paris did with us is we just went to places. And so even internationally, we sold a lot of records. And even now, I'm still selling verses to people in Denmark and you name it, places I can't even pronounce. <laughs> so there's awesome. a lot of hip hop heads and a lot of old school and a lot of Bay Area fans everywhere. But yeah, the song was way bigger than we thought it would be. But now looking back, I see how much promotion they put in it. We had a billboard on Crenshaw Boulevard. <laughs> so I knew when I was on a billboard that it was going down. Then we got on BET, we did Young TV Raps, we did, and then that's when we became, wow, the Bay is blowing up. Not only mm-hmm. us, you know, the Loonies was right behind us. Digital Underground was right there. We all came up together. When I, we're like this. Every All the art, artists in the Bay, Rapping Forte, Spice One, all of us, we love each other. Like we, and we're the really the only girls, us, Trinity and Marvelous are um, the, the, really the three, you know, and three, five, seven, excuse me. And there's a couple mm-hmm. more, Silky and some other females, but mm-hmm. there weren't a lot at the time. And Mystic, of course. Mystic, yeah. Um, we didn't really know about them, you know, but then as we all grew together, it just became this family. And that's when all the record labels started looking at the pay, like, wow, they're making their own money. E-40 yeah. opened up sick with it. You know, um, um, Chris Hicks had the, the, the ice, the ice cream man and everybody three, three times crazy and kicked the snake in them. And it was just a beautiful time. You know, you didn't know when yeah. it was happening. It was just a great ride. So. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I feel like, um, Conscious Daughters came through so sharp. You guys were really sharp lyrically. That's what stood out to me. Um, And at that time, um, I imagine it had to be, you talked about it being family, but was it hard being a woman in that time? Because hip hop was pretty. Here's what trips me out. We had no problems. I haven't slept with one of my producers. And I'm sad to say, none of them try to sleep with me. Now I'm mad. I mean, you could have at least tried. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like, but I didn't, you know, and, and a lot of women, they they have, but the thing about me and Carol, we were both only children. Mm-hmm. We had solid upbringing and we were yeah. not women who were weak-minded. You know, she was an athlete in high school, sports athlete, basketball player, 30 points a game. Cheryl Miller was about to recruit her to USC, but she got injured. So mm. she never went. And she would have been at USC playing ball for Cheryl Miller. That's, That's how good she was. Ball hog. Just good at everything. <laughs> then she played softball. Now, okay. as a kid, she was in the Little League. She was an all-star baseball player when she was 9, 10, 11, 12 as a girl playing with the mm-hmm. boys. So everybody in, in Richmond, California and Oakland, California know who she is from her being a kid, being a, 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 an all-star. Her mm-hmm. mom worked at the radio station, so she was really into music. My father was heavily into music. I got family music. So we really just meshed together. We had a solid upbringing, which made us comfortable within ourselves. And I think that means a lot because a lot of these young girls, they, they have insecurities. Their parents are fucked up somehow. They don't, it's something with them. And we never, just never had that. And I think the confidence was really what it was. And when we seen, mm-hmm. we started so early watching and learning like Roxanne Chante and the real Roxanne to me, and you know people like Sparky D and 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 um, uh, uh, Funky Four Plus One More, and mm-hmm. Shy Rock. You know I just love these women and I study them from the gate. I was 11 years old doing that shit. Kids start younger now, but you know I I probably recorded my first rap around nine, 10, 11. But then we knew how to operate the equipment because Carol mm. was in the radio station. She knew how to run reel reels. So we started recording at a very young age. Plus we were on the on air talent, you know, so we knew how to talk and speak and do interviews and mm. all that shit just came together in some crazy way. Yeah. And so we, once it was time for us to start recording, we're like, man, we're going to put this shit down. And then we used to get all excited. Like <laughs> Carol will be standing in the corner. She'll be like, Oh, I really didn't want to have those glasses on. Carol will be standing there. <laughs> she'll be like, um, she'll be like, pass me the mic, pass me the mic. <laughs> like it was a football, you know, back in the day. So yeah, that that was just, it was just crazy. Sorry, these are my reading glasses. I really didn't mean to wear these because they are not. That's probably why nobody tried to sleep with me. 
hear shit like that. But anyway, um, <laughs> natural chemistry, I think it really, I can look back now and say it was authentic talent. Mm. Back then, I would never do that. We weren't cocky. We weren't nothing. We just wanted to have a good time. We went in there and did what we had to do. We didn't take hella long recording in the booth, which the label loved that. They're like, oh, man, you only use four hours of studio time. Y'all crushed out like three songs. We're like, yeah. You know, because we write, you know, we're old school. We got the notebooks. I got like a stack of them. Actually, I'm going to take some pictures of them. And then we put out the stickers on them and write. You know how you make your little, your rhyme book? Yeah. We had them big ass rhyme books. I got a whole stack of them. So whenever I went to the studio, I was like, I know I got something in here. To start, that would start my rhyme. Because once I find something, I'd be like, I just start writing shit that I didn't use. I would go back and peruse it. And then, you know, catching on on them beats and just be like, once I lay that down, then Carol come with something. And we just bounce off each other like that. Yeah, you know, I start I'm, find that these days. I'm I'm glad I'm glad you brought that up because um, you know, we'd be remiss not to talk about Carol and you know, uh, special one, your um partner. And what was the working process like when you guys sat down and wrote songs or came up with ideas and stuff? Let sort of let the people know your working process, like walk us through that and sort of what made her so special. Well, it's a lot of weed and, um, <laughs> and just being happy women, I think, you know, we would just get, there would be times we would just get high and sit around the dinner table and play our cassettes on things and we would just start writing. I could be cooking, she'd be in the other room writing. All of us girls used to hang out at each other's houses. You know, we hung out in groups. And, but the, the actual process of creating an album, we actually went into the studio and most of the writing, we would write in the studio, but we would always come with something because we, in our spare time, we write. Carol's a great freestyler, right? Mm. She just comes off the dome like nothing. Me, I got to keep one in my back pocket because I got to follow up with her. I'm, I'm not as yeah. perky as she is, but I always, I'm always ready because I got something in my back pocket I'm just going to pull out. So we wrote a lot, but then when we got to the studio, we would sometimes spend the night in the studio and just write all night. And then, you know, the next morning, when it's time to record on priorities dollar, we made sure that we were ready to go. Yeah. So we would go to, you know, Paris's studio and he'll, we'll just sleep in there all night, just be in there, bring our pajamas and slippers and shit and just be vibing out, fall asleep on the floor, you know, <laughs> and um, wake up the next day, go home, come back and record this shit. Yeah. So it was just, you know, being free spirited, young people, rent was $400. Man, listen. <laughs> um, Carol was like, she ain't got no license. She didn't give a damn. She got a muscle car, still rolled that thing. We were just never got caught. Never got caught. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, you were talking earlier about the camaraderie between the Bay Area artists. And I think one track that really kind of demonstrates that for people if they're not familiar is the last track on your second album, Gamers which is all-star freestyle, freestyle yeah. which has got Saphir on the intro. It's got Money B, um, just uh, an all, uh, uh, Mac Mall. Guy. It's just got everyone on it. Can you talk to us about how that came together? We just, okay, so we wrapped up the album and we had went into the studio and we said, well, at the last minute, we said, well, let's just invite some friends in and just see what happens, you know? So we invited people. We didn't know who was going to show up, who wasn't going to show up. I, I mean, you know, we, it was kind of a last minute thing. And most of those people are literally like our best friends, our friends, you know, they all, they all rap. They, they just not, didn't have records that came out. You know, my mm -hmm. baby daddy was on there. His cousin <laughs> Horn from the Rich was on there. Like we sprinkled in anybody who wanted to do it. Then they just loved us because we just kept it so real. And we were like, we don't need any like features. Like we didn't ever really had any big features. Mm -hmm. And not that we didn't want to, we just really couldn't afford the ones we wanted. Mm -hmm. And then we just didn't really, a lot of guys from the Bay, like they didn't really reach out to us during the nineties. And it's not for mm -hmm. any reason. It's just that we just kept crossing paths. We were all blowing up at the same time. And everybody was like this. Mm -hmm. They were here, we were there, you know, we started popping from 90 up to 2000, pretty much. And um, so it was just hard to, you know, <clears throat> get a lot done. Um, 
but yeah, it, I mean, it, it was great. That song is everything, um, Money B. And we just all got in the studio, Hyde Street Studios in San Francisco, which hey. was really big. It was really big. We had this huge studio. So we all sat around. We were playing, they were playing dominoes and shit while we were recording. <laughs> you know, it was real. Some people over here in the corner rolling up. We, they over here drinking some people on the little laptops. And it was like a coffee shop. <laughs> <laughs> it was awesome you know it was just very very authentic so i love that yeah yeah thank appreciate you, you giving us the history it's i love i love stories like that thank you yeah it's crazy. absolutely absolutely um so are there female artists that are out right now female rappers that you're really tapped in with that, that you check for yeah i mean i love them all i love rhapsody i love cardi b i love megan mm. the stallion i love Nicki minaj she Nicki Minaj for me was really the one that turned that that what is the question kind of opened the new door mm. so to speak because the mm. women have been around I remember Doja Cat was crossing my MySpace when she was coming up she I was getting these MySpace things from her and stuff and yeah. she was doing some really weird like oh, no, no. and I remember thinking she's weird like but that's different <laughs> You know, and now it makes sense, right? Because yeah. she still has that in her and I and I see the growth and everything. You never know what's going to happen. But for example, um, with the Nicki Minaj thing, when she came out with that damn moment for life and all that, that damn album, yeah, that to me was here. And I said, okay, now, now you balling. Everybody else was good, but nobody really moved me like that. And it's, I don't mm-hmm. know why. Um, I don't know why. I think I may have adjusted in some ways mm-hmm. to some of the things that they're doing now mm-hmm. and it's okay and I love it. But at first it, it was a long <laughs> time before I said that bitch is bad. Yeah. And now I like yeah. Lotto. I love Lotto's album. She's like a female too short. Now she found her mm-hmm. lane. Yeah. Although I'm a little upset and I'm hurt because I was following her as a child on the rap games on, on <laughs> And she was like 12 and with her dad and her little Converse shoes. And next thing I know, bam, look at my ass. Well, I was like, oh, I <laughs> have a heart attack. She's doing it. She's doing it. I'm just saying, what do these little girls have to look up to? That's a little bit for me as far as music too. Like, okay. I don't want to see my daughter or my grandbaby trying to look like Cardi B or you know, you don't have to have your ass and titties out so much. There, now there's no question. Now, you the mystery's up. Everybody knows yeah. what everybody's ass and titties look like. So, what are, what are we selling now? They basically so, so there was no pressure to do that when y'all was coming up. Well, the whole point, if you look at us, Escape, Conscious yeah. Daughters, yeah, we all went through this period where. Three, five, seven. I mean, any female rapper that was out in the early 90s, yo-yo, she had on her overalls and her big earrings. The point that we were trying to make was that we don't have to be sexy Mm -hmm. or whatever. We just wanted to be just like the guys. We didn't know no better. We should have been trying to be sexy. (laughs) And I look back, that shit was cool. I tell you, when me and Carol went to LA, Snoop, Daz, Corrupt, uh, all of them, we got off the plane. They were like snooping them, waiting for y'all over there. And I was like, oh my God, they think we're gangbangers because we had, uh, I mean, I didn't know. I was, we was, all the, but we was embraced by the gang so hard in LA. Yeah. Like, and that's a beautiful thing because, you know, they, there was no question. It was like, y'all, y'all some bad motherfuckers on Crips. And I was like, thank you, you know, because we're kind of proper, you know what I'm saying? We grew up yeah. in, you know, a little nice little home. and you know, so I look back and I'd be like, you know, it wasn't really being fake because we ain't no punks. That's for real. But yeah. same time, it was kind of doing what the other ladies were doing. Like Candy Burris was talking about it. She was like, I don't know what the hell we was thinking. And when she said that, I started <laughs> laughing because we were all dressed the same with rags on our heads and Carhartt suits and boots. And, you know, we were out there. I don't know, stomping. I don't know what the fuck. Yeah, yeah, doing, yeah. But it works, you know. Yeah. And then Lil' Kim came out and I was like, oh, that's the ticket. You know, but then that was way far to the left at first. So I was like, oh, okay, go girl. And then I was like, I love her. I love me some Lil' Kim. And Mary J. Blige did the same thing. She came yeah. out with the baseball hat and the baggy yeah. pants. And, you know, it was just the look of that time. 
Um, and yeah. we just we ran it. So now it's too late. That body gone. <laughs> but the music lives on. Yeah. CMG, we are so happy to have had you on this program. Thanks Thank so you. much for coming through. Oh, and one other thing I want to say is yeah, yeah, yeah. Our song We Roll Deep is on Grand Theft Auto 5. So that, okay, okay. You rivaled us on that. That so was an that, absolute payday. That is answers a question because I was looking on Spotify and I'm like, uh, something to ride to is not the most streamed song. It's re roll deep. I just got my plaques. Yep. Okay. Okay. I want me to go get them. No, I'm scared. <laughs> I got all oh, so I got some plaques on my walls. I'm not in the right room right now, but I'm getting okay. it together. But yeah, so that that was a super. I know, and that's what I'm saying. We roll deep has surpassed wow. something to ride to. So I'm calling up electronic arts. Like y'all still there? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> something to ride to. Yeah. Uh, are you answering right. the phone, my email, anything? They, they only in Redwood City. Pull up. Um, I used to work there. That's the trip part about it. I used to man. work at Electronic. Well, I worked for Lucasfilm, but I was supporting a video game that we did with Electronic Arts. So they sent me over there to be like the little customer service person, you know, because I have a huge software development background. I work, I work for George Lucas. I'm a character in Lucasfilm games. I produced three video games for them before okay. I left to go be a rapper so i've, I've okay. lived some dreams yeah but anyway long story short google that <laughs> google right. that indeed thank you cmg thank we you so you. much for hanging out thank nice you so much you. I love you. i'm gonna embrace my mom bod going forward <laughs> <laughs> please do <laughs> all right y'all take care <laughs> thank you That was our conversation with CMG from Conscious Daughters. A delight to talk to. That, what a that. delight to talk to. Um, you know, for somebody who, you know, has such a rich history. I mean, I've, I've spoken to people who've done much less and they've acted like they invented the printing press. You know, um, <laughs> CMG was so delightful to, to your point, Damone, and just so nice. And to hear her long history, her Genesis story with uh, Paris is amazing. Um, you know, um, and she's just so authentic, and I think it comes out through the music with her with her partner, special one, uh, rest in peace. Um, you know how they've been friends since eleven and all that. It, it was just great, man. It's always a great time to catch up with legends, and they and they and they seem normal. They seem like they come down to your level, you know. Totally, and I don't mean this in a bad way. I just like you guys will know what I mean when I say this. Like I kind of was wondering how did she afford to stay in the Bay, and so to hear mm. that she kind of worked in the video game industry was super interesting. And she's yeah. like. I'm doing like licensing deals on a game I have a song in and no one totally. knows. And right, I, right. that was one of my favorite parts of the interview because it was like, you know, it's just a lot of people move to Sacramento or totally. to LA. You know, totally. it's just like a lot of people move out of the Bay. It's just a crazy place to live. So it was cool that she was, you know, she had a second career or, mm -hmm. you know, I don't know what she considers the number of careers, but you know what I mean? Like she totally. found her place in all this and she gets to stay in the yeah, Bay Area. Working, I thought that was dope. Working with George Lucas, man. George oh, Lucas. Yeah. So George Lucas in Paris. I mean, what, what, what a resume. <laughs> Seriously. I think if you put those two together, you get Boots Riley. Um, <laughs> Boots Riley appears. Um, I, I just, I gotta say, on on per capita, women guests are usually better. Way better. Oh, way better. It's not percent. controversial, dude. They're way yeah. better. Million yeah. percent. And you know, I loved hearing the um the positivity too. It kind of reminded me of yes. our interview with JJ Fad, where um yep. MC MCJB was like, actually, no, like we like the dudes took care of us. I loved easy. Yeah, he's yeah. the one person who will ever like Jerry Heller. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> remember That's that? Hilarious. I, I think uh it's part of CMG's um what she was saying she said it a little bit but part of the reason i think that they were so well respected was out of fear 
like they really carried themselves in a really aggressive way. I encourage folks who are not familiar to kind of Google their videos and such. Um, <laughs> they were projecting a very, a very hardcore image, which was respected by the top, you know, rappers in the game because they were really sharp with the bars. So yeah, it was they very laugh, interesting yeah. to mm -hmm. hear that like we worked in radio, like they right. they had training and polish on them um out the gate and it just makes you know makes you wonder um one of those things about access right and i always go back to this thought experiment you know if they're hooking up with i was gonna say diddy but then they probably wouldn't be in a good space if they were hooking up with one of the major producers from the east coast in the 90s one wonders what their trajectory would have been right like paris was almost kind of um in decline as an artist himself by the time he got conscious daughters and, and gorilla funk wasn't really in a position i think to move their music the way that it could have been moved but with that being said uh if you go to spotify they have a couple of joints that are still ringing bells uh we roll deep was in the the new grand theft auto mm -hmm. um i believe and i'm like did you quarterback that like I'm, right. I, I i left i left with a lot of um admiration and, and respect for both the group and and CMG as a person. Did you guys listen to Conscious Daughters when we were kids? I, I uh, it was, it's not like I know deep album cuts, but I mean they were they were everywhere. I mean I think even in the interview you mentioned CMC. I mean I've yeah. been for a while it was literally everywhere. It blanketed um, blanketed radio waves. I actually have a DVD of CMC CMG on CMC. No. <laughs> um, what's it called? <laughs> I, mean, I fucked it up. Um, what I wanted to ask you guys is. Thinking about the first record, and we all know Paris produced it, and this is mm -hmm. not his lane necessarily, but when I was listening back to it for research purposes, and I had the CD when I was a kid, I think one of the older dudes in my neighborhood used to do like music promo, and he would drop CDs on me from time to time, and this was one of them, so I don't think I bought it, but I had it, and I did listen to it some. Is it a G-Funk record? Oh, yeah. Mm. Uh, yeah, it's... it's, it's, it's definitely music in the key of of the chronic for sure because like, the yeah. iconography is very six fours dickies yeah. mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. the fashion kind of and then like you listen to it it's kind of i just like i i always call it the electric whistle i don't know what else to call yeah. it but that's a, like a prominent sound it's mogi bass it's yeah. like mm -hmm. it's basically a bay area g-funk album and the bay area had its own thing of mob music and i kind of wonder if it's claimed under that as well because the first album only really sounds like a g-funk record which was the sound of the time like that yeah, would totally, be the thing yeah. you want to do right that's what was selling totally yeah. very very sort of slumpy um uh rbl posse you know yeah but but you know in, in terms of projection uh cleaner than a lot of groups that were coming out of the bay at that time and i think that is probably a credit to paris and kind of having done albums and like she kind very of broke clean it down, like he got some money to start the thing so he yeah. they, mm -hmm. they were they're they're renting hyde street studios and stuff right. like that right, right. right. So, so giant rooms it's cool so it was it was well put together it's well constructed um bay area inflected g funk uh but they were top notch spitters of their time and um and i might include it in this episode Nas did a song in 2007 mm, right. uh, called uh, What Happened to the West Coast, mm, I believe. And, it was like uh, the remix. It was the remix version. Right? It was the West Coast remix. What, uh, where are they now? Excuse me. The Where Are They Now West Coast remix, which um, Conscious Daughters closed. Oh, that's um, cool. I didn't yeah, know. Yeah, that. yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it, it's kind of one of those things where um, there's certain artists, and she spoke on this a little bit. Um, that are sticky. They only had two albums, you know, they, they have probably one and a half songs that would be really known like across the country. Um, but for people who do this and are fans of the craft um, of, of a certain time really know about Conscious Daughters. And what was also great was that uh, CMG is into rappers of today. She is still a fan of the yeah. craft which is not always the case right totally mm -hmm. I, th I think it'll be off mic but we we talked to her about like Kaylee 47 and she was fully up on it mm -hmm. that was so that was super cool and then I, I just wanted to say like I didn't know the second record like I only kind of listened to it to prep for this and like that's it's a total she they take a turn with their production Paris yeah. doesn't do everything there's other cuts it's like for people who really want to know about the Bay Area's shifting sound mm. it's a very interesting uh 
interplay between the two records in like many second records we just had a diamond on and he was talking about his darker second record Mm -hmm. it's a darker Mm -hmm. second record okay 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 yeah it's interesting because i feel like with diamond um and you guys did a great interview with him i think he was basically saying like hey rap got fucking dark Mm-hmm, like rap, mm-hmm. like all the happy shit I was doing on Stunts Blunts wasn't really gonna fly. And I think Conscious Daughters, it's a little bit of the same. Like mm-hmm. by by the mid to late nineties, like shit was really dark. Yeah. Um, and you know, I, I I think it's good, but I would if you're trying to get like your Conscious Daughters late pass, you definitely want to start with the first record and know that if you want to impress uh, somebody in the Bay, know that their hit song is called Something to Ride to. Not funky, not funky expedition. <laughs> I, I forget somebody chiding me for that one time. That's like, hey, you're from the Bay. You should know this. I'm like, oh. that's funny. I, that song was so huge. It just loomed so, so large. I thought they were cool as shit. And that totally, like, it's definitely something that you could still throw on like a cookout playlist. And oh, like, still banks, still banks. Very, I've been in public well and people play it. And yeah, yeah, the roof goes up. Um, Right on. Well, shout out to uh, CMG for coming in and chatting with us. You know, just another dope interview. The type of thing you've come to expect here on the Dad Bod Rap Pod. Speaking of Bay Area, though, uh, we're going to be involved in a Bay Area hip hop tradition, uh, which is called Hyro Day. Shout out to uh, everybody that celebrates. Hyro Day coming <laughs> up on uh, <laughs> uh, September 4th, right, Dave? Uh, yes, Labor Day. It's fourth or fifth, but yeah, it's a Monday. Um, I'm already trying to get it off work and trying to get the next day off as well uh, to recover. So I think the, yeah, the recovery yeah. day is key with that. Um, I was just in Oakland this weekend, um, checking out a new restaurant and when we met up with some friends and walked around the lake a little bit. That town is so beautiful. Totally. It is such, it, it's like 40 minutes away, but it's a completely different world. Mm-hmm. And I'm really looking forward to going to Hyro Day. I've actually never been to one because of my aversion to leaving the house. And so <laughs> the fact that we're kind of going and going to be able to hopefully talk to some people and uh, kind of meet with meet some people in real life that we've only met on Zoom. Super, super duper looking forward to it. Everyone should get their tickets now. There's also an insane lineup for the 45 yeah. sessions. Yeah, that's going to be huge. Saw that. Like yeah. the Saturday night of that weekend. Couple of our friends DJing with some like serious legs. Are we gonna stop Dante Ross or no? Are we just gonna like literally just follow him around? And be like, hey, hey Dante, hey, stick you up for your galleys. Um, yeah, should be cool. Yeah, yeah, definitely excited about it. Uh, Dave, for the uninitiated, um, what is Hyro Day? Hyro Day is a block party um, that is family friendly that um, Hieroglyphics started, and it's a celebration of their history and their music, and also. It was decreed by the um, city of Oakland as an actual day. So, I mean, if if we're looking at it as a holiday, then we are definitely all observers. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we'll we'll be in there um, walking around. If you see us in public, um, bring edibles as I can't hit your weed. I'm not doing that now. I just had COVID again. I'm not going to hit your weed. But if you give me edibles, I will blindly trust that they are what they are. Um, So... Look forward to seeing everybody at Hyro Day. Um, but that's not all. I, I feel like Stony Island incestuous show mixing. We're all over been... the island, dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Especially but, you this week, dude. I guess so. Um, that's true. Probably not in a great way on, on Sean's show. I'm already I'm already feeling the, uh, the, the heretical vibes. Like, what the <laughs> fuck is Damone talking about? But you should definitely check out uh, Making Illmatic, which is um, part of the Questions Hip Hop Metaverse, a show where uh, our friend Sean Katrowitz tries to break down an album and make it better by making it 10 tracks. I chose Tribe Called Quest, The Love Movement. Um, and we talked about that for like two hours. It was a great conversation. Um, the format is dope. The concept is dope. I love what Sean did with the the editing and and like all of the uh, little asides that came out of it. So super duper fun. Um, and that's up right now. You should check that out. But um, let's see. Let's go in order. Nate, you were on Secret Skin, Open Mike Eagle's Secret Skin program last week. I was. And Dave was on the week before that. That's right. Yep. And then uh, you're coming up soon, right? Yeah. Supposedly I'm up next week and you guys will be you're proud overexposed, to You're overexposed, man. I'm a little bit. 
a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm listening to your questions episode now. I actually had to work today, so I didn't get a chance to listen to the full two hour experience, but um, it's really good. You're really good on it. Your guys' interplay with Midas is hilarious. Yeah, Midas is, Midas is like a really fun podcast uh, interlocutor. Sean is a great host and moves things forward quickly. His little riff of about the four moms thing was like yeah hilarious, Ooh. Dude, hilarious. Ooh. Ooh. In fact, i was i was kind of thinking that midas's relationship with sean in some way is like similar to yours and mine <laughs> a like, little bit it's a little, it's a little bit similar <laughs> little where bit. you're like okay nerd like shut the fuck up i'm like, like okay this is my white friend nate yeah. <laughs> I, <laughs> I take full responsibility for him yeah exactly um, uh yeah, but yeah it's a, it's a really fun show and i had a chance to do the danger doom episode a couple right. of months ago and it was uh it, people didn't come for us as much as i thought they were but it is fun it's a show that if people hear it they're gonna have their own theories so mm-hmm. there's a lot of interaction with the audience but yeah you're great on it man it's it's Thank really you. fun and like i mean you could take off most of the songs from that show for me i hate that record, so. <laughs> that's that's been the consensus of today uh but it's fine check out our twitter uh timeline at dadbot rap pod where zilla Raka annotates the, the almost the entire program which i i had a, a lot of fun reading today um, but that's just one program on the Stony Island Network. There's also Open Mike Eagles uh, Secret Skin, which you guys will be proud. I did not refer to as secretion or secret foreskin <laughs> while I was on the program. I was locked in. I wasn't there for jokes. I was there to do a serious interview. No, uh, it was fun talking to Open Mike Eagle. It was fun hearing Nate talk to Open Mike Eagle um, and really kind of Brick Body is a heavy record, um, and it was great. I think you did a, a really good analysis and, and had him on his toes in terms of answering the questions. How was the, the vibe when you guys were doing the interview? It, it was great. I, I could talk to Mike for hours about anything, but knowing and having such, some weeks in advance to prep this, I really took it seriously and did my research, and I listened pretty hard. The, the only thing I wish I had done differently was watch more of the videos there were other videos and i just i don't really use youtube in that way that much so it's like i i knew he had the one video and we talked about it a lot at the end of the episode it's a very good video but um you know it's like doing these things is not just for the audience like i'm listening to samus records now and like hoslo records and like thinking about the projects and like watching the youtube videos about around that are crazy Right. Um, it's it's such a good record. I already was a fan of it, but I got to learn so much more about it. And I have to say, we don't really do this, especially not solo, because this is a group project. But like getting like kind of like quality time to deep dive on something for an hour is like a gift, man. Like you can get mm-hmm. so much out of it. It's just very rich. And I love our three man weave like half hour style of interview. And I think it's perfect for this show. But other shows where you get to go way you like spelunk down into like mm. meaning of things is fascinating for me. And I, I was like, man, I kind of like miss doing that. Like, it's a really cool thing to do. Right on. Uh, Dave, you talked about uh, dark comedy on two weeks ago on, on secret skin. What was, what was the vibes when you interviewed Mike? That was most excellent. I mean, we had a little bit of um, um, some issues logging on at first because he uses the uh, Riverside thing, but um it's great, man. I mean, we all know Mike. He's, he's so affable and just so thoughtful with his answers and just makes everybody sort of feel at ease. Um, it was great. I already was a big fan of that album, so it was really great to um, not only deep dive into it, but it gave me a chance to like re-listen to it again and sort of like re-enjoy it again. And yeah, man, it was great. It, um, I don't really ever say this, but it felt like that hour like flew by. You totally. know what I mean? Totally. Yeah. Whereas this is excruciating. <laughs> uh, We're on minute 28. I'm dying. <laughs> dying. Uh, your, um, your, uh, your interview was so great, Dave. And I think like because we, uh, both of us had the chance to listen to it, as with many things journalistically, I think I'm like, oh, that's how you do it. Like, yeah, a couple yeah. setup questions. Now get into the songs. Make sure to note the producers. I'm like, uh-huh, I want to uh-huh. do a David Moss style. Deep dive here. <laughs> this is for posterity. You know what I mean? No, totally. No, you were great, dude. I, I really like I mean, you did it so well that you kind of set up, like, especially when you watch the videos, they're able to like splice in the, some, some footage or, or some photos. And it's really perfect. It's almost like you did it on purpose. Oh, thanks. <laughs> uh, you know, what's funny is uh, I have stopped being horrified by the sound of my own voice because I've edited the show for so long. Mm. Still not there with video. Uh, it's, oh, like, no. it's, it's like the week that come it comes on, out. Man. They do a really good job of 
posting stuff and it's like you're totally. just you're just scrolling instagram on your couch and then all of a sudden you're presented with your it's disgusting your mug and talking your with face. your hands and like totally i was just like dude this is like i really need to spend more time with this aspect of it to get over it like <laughs> i got over the voice thing that only took like three years you know what i mean man no, listen Nate, mortifying once you get over 40 you gotta floss the hair man don't don't <laughs> hats are for all dudes say that for jesus like hey, you hey, still hey, got hey. the hair i'm uh, sorry dude um, <laughs> I, I have three beanies on right now yeah exactly <laughs> uh, you can wear small t-shirts I don't want to hear shit from that um, so yeah you know it's we're like a, a podcasting gang here uh, on the Stony Island Podcast Network shout out to Open Mike Eagle shout out to uh, Sean Katrowitz and the questions uh, yeah exactly. just one last thing like hearing how they edited the thing especially you guys oh, know man. i have a long wind up to my questions if it even is a question sometimes it is. <laughs> they got to the essence of the question in a way where i was like damn can they like edit my thoughts like <laughs> and it, uh, mike did cut it out but there was a part he was like i'm here for a nate question like you don't have to explain it to me dude i listen to the show and i'm like okay thank you like i, I right. have somewhere i'm getting to and i'm you know taking the long route if right? if if you have faith it's always gonna land with the nate question yes. you know what i mean uh, so <laughs> it. It. you know what i'm getting at yeah <laughs> <laughs> you know what i'm trying to say right uh yeah love love y'all journalistic uh chops glad to be able to be a part of this program and i, I, I and want to programs. ask you something so bad but i'm gonna wait till next week because i want to hear the podcast thing yeah, and i don't man. think we can't wait talk to about see it because it's not at, well i guess it will be out for the for the listener, right? That comes out on Wednesday and this comes out on Thursday. Right. Yeah. Do you guys talk about divorce a lot on it? I mean, it's it's in it's in the album title. I'm not gonna say <laughs> we we cry together, but uh I I chose I chose that album for a reason. Okay. Um, and I, I talked to him about it. So you guys should definitely I cannot wait to hear that to yeah. a very special secret skin. <laughs> I'm selling it, Mike. I'm selling it. Uh but you know, that's 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 what we do here. On the Dad Bod Rap Pod, we want to thank everybody for tapping into this episode. As always, you can check for us on Twitter at Dad Bod Rap Pod, on Instagram at Dad Bod Rap Pod. If you really want to be down with the team, subscribe to our Patreon, patreon.com slash Dad Bod Rap Pod. $5 a month or $51 a year. Save that nine bucks. Uh, you can get a bunch of fly content. Nate just dropped another episode of Fly Sporadic. Um, Nate's been having some very robust conversations on there. I just dropped another Dems Gems. So, you I got know, some if, essays from Dave in the talk. We're going to have some of Dave's writing better represented hey, on there. Hey, nice. So, yeah, nice. It's, uh, it, we're having a lot of fun on the Patreon. If you want to, if you want to talk music outside of Twitter, which I'm sure you do, yeah, uh, with you, us, give it a shot. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, with us. That's my thing now. It's like if you're on Twitter, I'm gonna give you maybe a reply. If you're if you if you ask something in the Patreon, like, oh, we're friends. All right, I, yeah. I have to indulge this. You know what I mean? Like, or I'm yeah. happy to indulge. It. And some of the questions are great. It's like, oh, I never would have thought you guys wanted to hear about that. Like, here's yeah. a 20 minute segment on that. Like, <laughs> yeah, totally. So you could kind of it's kind of having a window into the show. We often say that podcasting is like uh, being in a conversation with ghosts. You can be a ghost now. You can be a part of the ghost it's like Pac-Man team. where there's a bunch of ghosts and we're eating circles. It's great. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, 10 milligrams a piece. So, uh, in summation, <laughs> we are the Dad Bod Rap Pod. Like, rate, subscribe. We'll get with y'all next Thursday. Dad Bod Rap Pod. Everybody talking about the South and the East Coast, but what about the West Coast? West Coast. Everybody's talking about the South and the East Coast, but what about the West Coast? The it's a rhyme spitting kitten, you're never hitting the legendary all-time great. Phenomenal female monarch hitting charts. Flowomatic nine spitting shoe like darts, blowing bitches apart. It's the conscious daughter still stomping open soil. Holler at your folks, the females is royal. Bay Area OG still getting cheese like siding on the block with Pac and Easy E. Before you jump off, can I recommend a rapper? Yes, please do. Have you That's heard Le Kaylee 47? Say it again. Le Kaylee 47. 
you know, I talk about her. The lady yeah, never shows do. her face. Yeah, or yes. anything else, as you mentioned. Right. Uh, <laughs> this has been a mystery of mine. Yeah. I'm like, who is she? That's the yeah. only currency left is Mystique. I am so intrigued by her. If you yeah. know her, you can have to send her a message. I, will. I don't care. I just want to talk to her. She can wear her mask. I might put on her. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. to, I love her. That's a bad, she's bad as hell. I, I love her new her album. One years. of my top albums of the year. She's great. I've been following her for years. I nice. love Lake Lee. And okay, I was cool. wondering if I pronounced her name right. Well, I'm Lake guessing as well, but if yeah. we both decide, then I think it's set. <laughs> 